Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. And our Father, what a price you paid in your Son. And give us insight. Give us eyes to see the depths of your love for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So this event occurs during the fall festival of uh, the Jewish people. It was called the Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, And you know, anything that happens in October has to include, of course, lots of beer and that sort of thing. So I'm sure that that's what they were doing. And, and it was, Feast of Tabernacles was like a church camp. And so they built little tabernacles. And it was just a fun time for, for families and kids. And, and it was um, just a wonderful, wonderful time. But even then, they... they Religious leadership is out to get Jesus. And they're, they're looking for things to, to trip him up with. And so they, they are convinced he's not the guy, and they, they're challenging him. Does anything, the prophet, the Messiah is not going to come out of Galilee. Nothing good comes out of Galilee. And that comes to the end of the day. Hear the word of God as it comes to us from the Gospel of John. And the meeting broke up and everyone went home. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. But early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who'd been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to Stoner, what do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. He kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right. But let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left with them in the middle with the, of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said, Where are your accusers? Didn't any one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness 
because you will have the light of life. God had his understanding to the hearing of his word. So at the lunch table in seminary, after one of the lectures, sitting around with my friends, remember so well, Harry Cahill said that when he gets to be a pastor, he's going to stand in front of his congregation and ask, how many of you, I want a show of hands, how many of you have ever committed the sin of adultery? And then my friend across the table said, well, you have to, if you ask that, then you have to follow that by saying, how many of you have ever lied? <laughs> so we don't know the details. What we know is that this woman is brought before Jesus and thrown at his feet. She has somehow been caught in the act of adultery. Now, ordinarily, ordinarily, that takes two people. And the law of Moses requires that both be there and that both be seen by at least two witnesses. So somehow, this thing got finagled to the point where they brought this woman to Jesus to test him at her expense. And in a sense, they've got a point. It's, it's serious. The commandment of God, the sixth commandment, carries with it, as we, it gets spelled out in Leviticus, the death sentence. Now, there is no record of that sentence ever being executed. But when that kind of sentence is prescribed for a particular sort of infraction, it's speaking mostly of the seriousness of the crime. And it is serious. Now, maybe in our time it doesn't seem to be so serious. It's not all that uncommon. And, and it seems that in our time the only, the only constraint to any kind of such activity is consent. But then the question becomes, well, did they get the consent of their spouses? Did they get consent of their children? Did they get consent of their parents? Did they get consent of God? Consent is a, a rather flimsy standard. But here, the Pharisees bring her, and they feel so very self Righteous. They throw her before Jesus. We caught her in the very act. They're looking down on her. And as Chris Christofferson said in that opening video that's now about 50 years old, everyone needs someone to look down on. And isn't that, isn't that odd? And why is it that so often it is Christians that are so, so guilty of looking down on other people and passing judgment on other people, how that belies the reality of what we're called to be. Helmut Tulekas says, in the figure of the Pharisees, we, see, we are confronted with a shocking exposure of the sin of Christianity. 
the sin of us who have subtly made our Christianity a sign of virtue and given it the unpleasant smell of privilege. Pharisaic pride is one of the most dreadful and infectious diseases of Christianity. Pharisaic pride. And yet it it comes up time and again in some manner or another. Somehow we live in a time when it's okay to be judgmental of others for their sins if they are of a particular kind. So back and forth the charge goes, you're a racist. Somehow that's an okay sin to be judgmental of. Somehow those people don't deserve mercy. Somehow this woman didn't deserve mercy. And she's thrown at Jesus, and they want to put him to the test. They do this, and there she is, alone, with this horrific reality, and probably completely unaware of anything going on around her, just aware of how alone before God she is at such a moment as this. You know how it is. Those times when you've found yourself guilty of something and you don't even have to have anyone else tell you. You feel it. You know it. You say to yourself, I, oh, I don't know why I said that. I don't know why. I... And the world around you disappears and you are alone with that before God. Even if for a passing moment. And so Jesus brings everything to quiet. He stoops down and he writes in the dust. All kinds of speculations as to what, what he wrote. My favorite speculation is that he knew their names, he wrote their name, and then their sin. <laughs> Frank, cheating on his taxes, you know, one after another. But in quieting the crowd, everyone began to think for themselves. And then Jesus stood up and let you who are without sin be the first to throw the stone. And what did that do? But each one there then turned into themselves and were themselves alone before God, acknowledging the reality of their sin. And one after another, the stones dropped onto the dust, and they left. They wanted to catch him. Yes, the law said to stone such a one as this, but if Jesus said, go ahead, that would undermine his reputation, his, the reality of who he was as a, a man who cared for the least of our brothers and sisters. Also, if he said, go ahead, then that would put him in violation of Roman law because the Jews were not supposed to be killing people. The law belonged to the, the, uh, the secular authorities. There are all kinds of ways in which they could trap him. But what they didn't anticipate was that they themselves would find themselves in a trap. 
that they themselves would find themselves confronting the reality of their own brokenness, their own need, and their own sin. And so one after another they left. And alone with the woman, except those of the crowd who remained, those who were not of the religious types, those who were not part of the denominational authority. And Jesus said to her, and I, I have to believe this is one of the most tender moments that we have recorded in Jesus' ministry. Sweetheart, has no one condemned you? And then she looking up through the wet dust from her tears said, no one. And then Jesus, who is God in the flesh, said, I don't condemn you either. Does that mean that it's okay? Does that mean, cool, adultery's okay. This passage didn't even make it into the New Testament until quite late because of that kind of misunderstanding that comes to this text. Instead, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. You follow me and you don't have to walk in darkness. What is Jesus concerned but human flourishing? That we would know how life is best lived and how it is most fully lived. As Jesus says later in the Gospel of John, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. This dear woman didn't know the abundance of life there under the judgment of those around her, under the judgment of her own heart against herself. Instead, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And this is in that, that story of the tabernacles, that feast of tabernacles where they celebrate the exodus and Jesus is the bread of life. And bread was given to the people during the Exodus. He is the living water. And the Lord gave to the people water in the desert. And he is now the light, the pillar of fire that leads the people out of the darkness of their own slavery into the freedom of the promised land. So Jesus, in a manner that reflects the reality of who he is with God, makes this kind of statement that, that he was in fact, he is in fact the one who gives freedom. And let's, know, let's face it, there's no freedom in sin. It's only bondage. It only does its damage. It may be fine for a while, but then it caves in upon us and, and encloses us and and enslaves us. And Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Why? Because it's, it's just a bad thing. <laughs> doing, doing things against what God teaches us, 
doing those things that violate God's law, but also violate what, what God understands to be the best of human flourishing. He says, just move on and rise above and follow the light. So the question remains, what about the law? Has Jesus abrogated the law? Has Jesus assumed that, that he, them, all by himself can say that it's okay and there is no consequence for sin? Jesus got up and I'm sure gave this woman a hug, sent her on her way. And as he turned, the next step he took, took him to Calvary's cross. The sin of the world, the sin of that woman, is what he bore on the cross so that she might know the joys of what this life is really all about and what the next life holds for us. There was a sweet girl in high school. I really didn't know her very well, but some of the guys spoke about her in a, a manner that was disgusting and vile. And I had, these are guys I didn't have anything to do with, but but it was, it was hurtful. It was judgmental. It was painful. Years later, I went back into Riverside for something, I forget what, and I drove by a park near where I had grown up. And there in that park, I saw, not too far off, was this woman. And she was in the playground area with three beautiful, beautiful little children. And that weekend, I happened to go to a church with a friend of mine. And there she was with her husband and those beautiful children. God forgives us. God takes our sin and nails it to the cross. And in Jesus Christ, as we follow the light of the world, we are free. You join me in prayer. Gracious God, thank you for the price that you've paid. Thank you, O oh Lord, that freedom is ours as we follow you in the, as the light of the world. Freedom is ours as we joyously, lovingly support and encourage one another even as we fall. Freedom is ours as we live this life for you. In gratitude and joy, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. 
For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.